G'day, gents. What are your names? Oh, I'm uh, Gary Eck. Gary Eck. And what about you, mate? And I'm Matthew Wakefield. And uh, Matt, where are we going and why? Uh, we are on our way to Newcastle City Hall to uh, do comedy for seniors. Well, you guys are. I'm just the Uber driver. Sounds like a top gig. G'day, welcome back to another episode of Crowdworkcast. My name's Andrew Barnett. Thank you very much for joining me. Uh, episode today is a little bit different. Um, this one's audio only. Uh, so if you watch these on YouTube, first off, my apologies. Um, we recorded this in a car to and from a gig on the road. Um, this episode's me and uh, comedian, writer, director, Gary Eck, uh, who, um, if you have never seen him do stand-up, you might know him as he was the writer and co-director of Happy Feet 2. Um, he's also the creator of Ginger and the Vegisaurus, uh, which is a children's program that runs on ABC at the moment, I believe. Um, and the third voice you'll hear is Matt Wakefield. Uh, Matt's a, uh, well, a comedian who started out around the same time I did and uh, now runs uh, an organisation called Comedy for a Cause, uh, where if you've got a, a charity or a, uh, a sporting group or a community club and you want to do a fundraiser, Matt will help you put on a comedy night. And uh, well, we were on the way to and from one of his gigs when we recorded this. You'll hear us talk about the gig, how it was a bit weird and uh, not the usual gig. Basically, this is three bikes in a car um, chatting. Uh, there's a little behind the scenes about, uh, well, the sort of conversations that go on to and from the gigs. Um, hopefully you enjoy it. Uh, neither of the blokes really uh, are all over social media. If you're interested in Comedy for a Cause, uh, Matt's, uh, look up Matt Wakefield, Comedy for a Cause, uh, his website. Um, Gary uh, doesn't really do the social media thing, but uh, has a website, garyek.com. So check him out. Other than that, please enjoy our conversation. This is uh, my podcast with Gary Eck and Matt Wakefield. <laughs> Yeah, so for full context, what time is what time did you pick me up, Matt? Uh, 6.25 a.m. 6.25 a.m. Gary, how long have you been doing comedy, mate? Oh, gosh. You know what? Uh, 30, I reckon 30 years. And of that percentage of gigs that you've done before midday? <laughs> <laughs> Zero. This is it. Yeah. This is a this is a weird gig. It's a, what's so weird about this is that I had to drive to, to meet Matt to get picked up to drive two and a half hours to Newcastle to perform to which I didn't even know who what the gig was for until I got in the car. <laughs> and it's a seniors week. How many people are we expecting, Matt? Uh, I think about two fifty three hundred. Oh really? Yeah. Wow. Should be all right. We'll we'll be the judge of that. Yeah. So. How like so? You run comedy for a cause. Is this Matt? This is your business model. So how did you get onto these seniors' week gigs? Because I'll be honest, um, with these ones, I'm very rarely booked uh, in the middle of the day or early in the morning. So these are, these are an easy get. I would have thought for a lot of comedians who are willing to get up in the morning. Uh, well, I got thrown the main gala in the city years ago, and they're like, "Do you want to book this?" It's got a huge budget and I was like yes I do and then I uh, used that to swindle all these other gigs 
uh, that have much less budget and then I lost the one in the city which had the budget so now we're driving to Newcastle for not very much at all. Alright, is that his way of subtly telling us there's no good pay yeah. in this gig? I think <laughs> yeah, hang on. <laughs> what are you saying, Matt? Are, I, <laughs> how much are we getting for this? We get paid in like... Well, you get exposure. That's what you're going to get. Oh, exposure to people that are going to be dead soon. What are you talking about? You're on a website. There's your profile on a website. And, uh, yeah. And you get a free trip to Newcastle. To Working to an audience that isn't going to actually come and see us. Again, ever. Yeah. (laughs) Because they probably won't be alive. Yeah, if they're... Exactly. If they're alive, they might come along. This is this is so exciting. These are this is when you started comedy, Gary. So when when did you start? Well, I started at uni um, back in nineteen. Gosh, it would have been 1990. How's this? Ninety. Yeah, I did. Actually, it's about thirty three years ago. I and I just did a uni gig the other night for um, University of New South Wales. Five hundred students for O Week. And it was, it was so surreal going back to a university full of just, you know, f- eyes full of hope. And I actually told them on stage that I said, you know what, you're not going to believe this. When I started comedy, you were all sperm. <laughs> like every single one of you. <laughs> That's how long I've been doing it for. The, and I've been s- doing it longer. When you started, when you were 10 years in, a lot of those kids, like... That was still sperm. Yeah, that's incredible. It's really interesting, but it does make you think, like, as comedians, you know, our demographic stays... We get older, the demographic stays the same, so... Yeah, as long as you don't mature. No, but your material... My material is still relevant, you know, whether it's young or old or whatever. That's that's the kind of key to longevity in, in comedy, I think. But do you think that's just because comedy is still young? Because that's one thing you notice from these seniors gigs is these people have never been to comedy. So will these generation now, will they continue to go to comedy up into their sort of 50s and 60s and stuff, do you reckon? Nah, probably not. No, I mean, we rely on comedy virgins. We don't want people to come and see us all the time. Otherwise, we have to come up with heaps more material. <laughs> yeah. You know what I mean? Like, so most people that come to comedy shows have never been to a comedy show. But they still know how to laugh, so they know what's funny. And that's the main thing. We've been all programmed to laugh at something funny. But don't you think that people seeing the big comedians now, like all the people that went and saw Dave Chappelle last week, they'll continue to go and see that if he tours again in 20 years, when they're all 50 or 60, they'll go along? Yeah, I mean, I mean that's just, you know, comedians that are big ticket comics that just people will go and see they'll never go and see live comedy like I actually spoke to a friend who went, was going to Dave Chappelle yeah. and has never seen live comedy before yeah. so their debut is with a big name comic yeah which is not really fair for us yeah exactly you know, support us disappointing you going back to yeah, a little club gig after seeing 20,000 people in an arena yeah I don't know that, that, that could be there's something said for the going to the comedy night where you don't know what's going on and also the like I don't know, 20,000 to me is... excessive. <laughs> well, it's not that connection. You know what I mean? Like, there's there's something fun that happens. Like, if you... In that two to 300-seat room, when yeah. it's really humming, like the comedy store, when it's really humming, that is... Something happens that night right there that's never happening again. It's not 
supposed to be taped. It's not supposed to be anything. It's just a bunch of people were in that room and it sort of even sometimes, you know, you try and explain the jokes or what happened, the, you know, the weirdness that happens in the crowd that someone plays off the next day and it doesn't sort of mm. seem as funny because it, it was about the, the energy that was in the room at the time. Yeah, I agree. I mean, I, I, you, you take any comic, Dave Chappelle, Seinfeld, any big-name comic, Chris Rock, they would all prefer to play a smaller packed room. Yeah. Mm. But they can't because they're massive and they fill out a 10,000-seater. So why wouldn't you do that? You know? Yeah. Well, what's that? 20,000 uh, seats that Dave Chappelle Did he, sold. 20,000 people? You mean in one show? Yeah. Okay, two nights. Oh, my so God. Yeah. I think it was 38,000 actually. That's insane. So 38,000 what what's the average ticket price on that you reckon? Uh, my tickets were 220 and they were first elevation. So I reckon yeah you're looking at least 150 for the average. It's a lot of money. I think we worked it out and I think it was about 4 or 5 million bucks. Wow. Yeah. <laughs> you did as a as a promoter you worked it out straight away. Wait, wait a minute, this <laughs> My guy's... brother did. My brother did. He's like, shit man, this guy's making some coin. Yeah. Which, yeah, you can understand at that point when you can do two nights and rev it like obviously he's not getting all that, but the revenue turnovers, you know, mm. four million dollars. Yeah, it's insane. It's amazing really. Yeah. It's amazing that that's that's what I love about comedy is that, you know, you can actually reach those heights and just make insane amounts of money from just jokes, making people laugh. Like it's. I'm going to assume you meant specifically me. Yeah, I was talking like, to you. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah, thank yeah. You. How, how does it feel? Like it's amazing. Uh, I, you know what? I, I'm. I just keep telling myself I must be scared of success. I just keep getting in my own way in some in some way. You know what I mean? But do you think that with playing like a packed, great comedy club and playing an arena, it's at the end of the day the same you, you know how like there's you can have sex all these different ways in different places and it's pretty much the same result the same <laughs> do you know what i mean like you can be like oh yeah she was a dominatrix and she did that and you, the enjoyment level is pretty much the same it doesn't change and it's the same result so I, I think it'll be sort of a similar thing it's funny Just, like you're you can only reach this peak joy in being in the moment and then beyond that or below it, it's kind of all the same. I don't know. I don't know. I mean, there'd be different experiences. Um, like Steve Martin at his peak was performing to 45,000 people. Like he was probably the first rock and roll comedy star ever. Mm. And he said it was, he just got to a point where he realized, hey, I'm a, I'm a, new, I'm a nuanced comedian. I, 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 I'm losing it. You know, people are kind of be yelling and screaming over a punchline and and they'd miss it or and so i think he even realized that wait a minute i'm i'm not this guy anymore i'm just feeding the masses yeah i think it's also it's i'd love to have that problem by the way yeah <laughs> yeah how good would that I'd be, be very happy you'd be set for life that i think too that it's a slightly different skill set like it would take a different skill set to fill a space like kudos where you've got 19,000 people yeah rather than the you know the comedy clubs or the you know 300 people at uh, a senior's breakfast um <laughs> like we're doing, like we're you doing. Know what I mean? 250 but, that's impressive though yeah I, I was honestly expecting like 12 you know 
but 250 seniors. Oh. This might be like the one we did the other day where they had uh, they had a good turnout because they all got show bags. So that <laughs> <laughs> <It> was, <laughs> you know, that's what the truth was the other day. Is like that's the only reason why I was packed out at Strathfield is because they were getting free lunch. Yeah, it's it's a shame, isn't it, that they're actually there for the food, not the comic. Well, yeah. yeah. I, I almost made the mistake of saying, look, you know, table seating's not the way to do this. You know what I mean? You really want theatre style, you oh, get a better right. response. But then I realised, oh no, they need the food, otherwise we're, we're out of here. They're not coming along. Yeah. Because Strathfield's not the demo for, for comedy, really, if we're completely honest. It's like those, you know, the comics, the Laugh Mob used to run that room called the World Bar. Oh, yeah. And their incentive to fill the room is they offered a free sausage sizzle to all the backpackers. <laughs> and it, honestly, it worked. They would come down for the free sausage sizzle and stick around for the comedy. I think I did that gig for the free sausage sizzle <laughs> yeah. a few times, to be honest. That's, um, it, it, is, it is exciting to know, um, Matt, that you uh, considered, you booked us basically as an opening act for a free lunch. That is, <laughs> it's, it's nice to know my art is appreciated. They <laughs> <laughs> pretty good cookies, though. I must admit, they had a dessert, tea, they had a variety of tea. So. I didn't even get asked to do it, so I'm not even worried. after tea. No, you're going to... Well, I think I did that gig last year, the Strathfield one. <laughs> I did. Yeah, that's that's the other part of that gig, actually, because you did it last year, and it was just you, and the sound didn't work. They had no and sound, you paid, yeah. like, a, 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 yeah, corporate rates for not doing the gig, didn't you? No, no, I ended up doing the gig, yeah. but they were going to cancel it because the set, they had no sound. Yeah, but didn't you only have to do a few minutes or something? Oh, I no, because I had to go and do another... Oh, it's one of those days where I had another day gig, could you believe it? Whoa. Like, how freakish is that? Two day gigs in a row. Um, and, I, and I said, look, I've got to go. And then eventually they got the, the muso, who had already left, packed his car full of sound gear because he brought his own. And then they rang him and they said, look, how far away are you? <laughs> he says, oh, I'm still in the car park. And they said, oh, look, could you come back? We just, could we use your sound gear? Uh, and so by the time he came back set up, I had 10 minutes. Yeah. And I went out and I did 10 minutes. And honestly, the audience didn't care. They just thought, oh, that's the show. How, how many books did you sell? Well, <laughs> yeah, I didn't sell it. Actually, no, I didn't have no time. But um, just uh, for the audience, I sometimes sell a children's picture book. Yeah, I'm picturing you starting the pitch right at the start. <laughs> yeah. A couple of jokes. All right, now yeah. I need to finish yeah. so I can sell some books. Yeah, because I need five minutes to sign the books and uh, get your cash. So if we could just have that prepared now before I start the show. You know with the seniors gigs too, it's it's not going to be FPOS. It is going to be cash. So yeah. <laughs> you're all set there. Well, guys, we were actually at this Newcastle gig last year. When I called you and I said, hey, uh, you're all set for this gig. And you said, what gig? Yeah, that was the Strathfield And that one. was at Strathfield. I know. And you were meant to be on stage like 20 minutes later. And so you just jumped in the car and went to the gig. I actually made it on time. That was the yeah. funny thing. And then I said to you, oh, I've got this other gig. Shit, I'm double, I'm kind of double booked, but I thought I can make them both. Um, Man, with these mics in the car, it feels like we take like car karaoke like way too seriously. And <laughs> like I know we're just singing along to the radio. And we're going so <laughs> slow right now. I've never been yeah, on sorry, this road. No, 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 it's okay. We're yeah. behind a truck doing yeah, thirty kilometers an hour. Distracted. It's kind of hard to uh, hard to podcast guest and drive at the same time. This would this podcast would be more interesting if we were getting pursued by the cops. 
<laughs> yeah. That would be fun, you know. Just yeah, just I think Cop they're, cast. Com- they're coming up on us, Gary. <laughs> That's a good question. Have you ever been in a car chase back in your policing days? Yeah, I'm cutting that out of the podcast. Oh, he's not allowed to talk about it. I don't talk about it. I'll talk about it when I turn the recorder off. Um Yeah, so the f- yeah. the the uh is this these seniors gigs, when you started back in 1990, Gary, is this the sort of thing that you thought would fill your career? <laughs> Do you know what I mean? You mean like doing this, seniors gigs or just doing comedy? Or just the weirdest, like, because you, I think you start and you've got this idea that it's mostly clubs and it's this sexy late night thing and mm. probably in 1990 you're thinking smoke-filled rooms. And yeah. Whereas you, well, the, I don't think people realise how many... How many gigs are just totally not that? Well, it's very... I find it's more civilised now. Like, I remember when I started comedy, I started in Canberra, and they started the club at the at a nightclub called The Private Bin, and they would bring comics down from Sydney and Melbourne to headline, and I became the sort of local MC. Sometimes I'd do well, sometimes I would just die in my ass massively. But I, got, I thought, my God, and the comics said they were getting... This back in 1990, getting 400 bucks a show. And I was like, wow, my God, imagine that. This is how much they're getting paid every night. I'm still saying imagine 400 bucks a show, (laughs) Matt. Come on. Isn't it amazing? 30 years later and things have actually dropped. But what I didn't realise, that was their gig for the month. You know, they were just living But were you thinking back then, oh, I want to do this as my career? I did, Like, was it even a legitimate... Okay. I thought, you know what, I would love to do this. And then I met Akmal. Akmal came down with um, Rhonda Carling Rogers, who was a... comic at the time and they were sharing the spot and I just really clicked with Akmal and um, I said oh yeah I'm thinking of coming up to Sydney and he's like yeah yeah do that and and, said, and I said to him you know as a matter of fact I'm driving up tomorrow and he goes oh really I'd love a lift <laughs> <laughs> so Akmal car, hasn't changed no he hasn't changed because their car had broken down right and then I just I kind of thought he was joking and 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 I said yeah, yeah I'll give you a lift and a and I drove up, just not even bother, not even bothering to find out where he, you know. Um, and apparently, he was waiting for me to give him a lift. Oh, really? <laughs> yeah. But wow. then, and then I ran into him. He goes, "Man, fuck! I waited. I waited for ages. I was like, I was like, man, I didn't even know where you were staying. How am I going to find you? <laughs> like he just assumed I was going to rock up to the hotel they were staying at and just drive him to Sydney. And I'd known him for 24 hours." Yeah, Akmal hasn't changed at he all. He has not changed <laughs> at all. And this is pre-mobile phone, so it's not like you yeah, could have, I you know, exchanged numbers. But, you know, that's I kind of got that addiction wanting to do it, even though it was a real rough-and-tumble start, like, you know, working in Canberra at a, a club where it was just full of advocate guys, you know. It was just very young, rough kind of crap. Was there even opportunity to be a club comic then? Or were you no, thinking I, sort of TV or radio? I don't or know. I was thinking radio because I was working in a bit of... I was writing um, radio sketches for the local radio station. I just realised... I, I realised I didn't want a job. <laughs> <laughs> no, that sounds, I mean, that's not even meant to be funny. I suddenly thought, you know what? I don't want to go get a job. Because if I go get a job, I'm going to be stuck in that job. I'm going to, I'm going to earn a, an income... I'm going to buy a car, I'm going to have debt, I'm going to be stuck there. So I thought, you know what, just do something where there is no guarantee of anything. So I'll just, I'll pursue comedy, then I'll have nothing to compare it to. I'll never have any other sort of like, 
and I've, you know, I've, it's been great. I've been doing that since uni. I left, you know, I graduated, and I've been able to make a career out of comedy. So you've ne- never had a like what you'd call a job job. I've Obviously, never you've ever worked. had like a job where I went to an office and I worked for somebody doing something I hated. Um, I mean, I've had career type comedy jobs like writing or you know working on film or whatever but never an actual job ever i don't think i i'm, I'm almost i couldn't ever do it i could not do it i would last a, a, like a second what about at uni did you do like you know retail jobs or anything oh yeah i mean bar jobs and oh, yeah. Yeah, yeah 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 i mean one of my first jobs right when i came to sydney as i answered an ad they were looking they wanted sprukers and I'd been doing a bit of stand-up. I thought, oh, spruiking, it was $25 an hour. I not bad I, money at the not time. Not bad money at the time. I could do that. And um, and I got a job. I was working at Penrith Plaza, right? And I would do the day. And you would bunny hop from shop to shop. So you would, they would hire, the shops would hire a spruker to stand outside their shoe store. And... Um, and I kid you not, I, was, I, I would do a really good job. Like, I would, I would really, you know, have some fun, get people in. And this guy comes up to me and he goes, Hey, listen, I work for this other shopping centre. <laughs> <laughs> do you, uh, would you consider coming working for us? With the big like leagues, I was son. Being, I was being poached by another shopping centre. <laughs> oh, that's so good. You've been recruited. Like, been recruited, like, yeah. Look, yeah. I'm a talent scout. Uh, yeah, you for, know. for this other shopping center, and kid, you got the goods. And actually, it was actually pretty fun. I mean, then you would do like they'd have fashion parades, like they'd set up in the middle of the shopping center for the store. So the stores would would contribute, you know, the clothing for the show, and I would MC it. So it was just like a, it was a really kind of easy gig. I was getting twenty five bucks an hour. I'd spend like the whole day there. And I was like, oh, yeah, this is, this is, but, you know, I obviously realized I didn't want to do that forever. <laughs> yeah, but not a bad gig. Oh, it was a great way to just earn, you know, money. Earn money, gig at night. You're not, uh, obviously it's not a job where you, you know, you're feeling like it, you're taking a lot home with you. <laughs> no, no, no. You know, you know oh, I had a terrible day at work today. Oh, you know? yeah. It was, I mean, to be honest, there were hard, long, like, it's, it's hard work standing in front of a shop for like a 20, you got to do like a 20 minute block. And you just you're on repeat. It's just you know. So give us give us a little taste of what we might have seen back in. Oh, the, what was the it? Was like uh, what was the shoe store? Shoe is it um, Flossum Shoes or Flossum Shoes? Hey everybody, welcome to uh, Flossum Shoes. Now we've got some great sales for everybody today. Uh, if you look out the front, we're doing twenty uh, percent off. The new back to school wear. So if you've got kids, hey, look, buddy, you look like you've got a couple of kids. Yeah, you got kids. What's your name? Yeah, yeah. Okay, see you. Bye. <laughs> anyway, uh, <laughs> that was it for twenty minutes. That was the original crowd. And I would get a little crowd, man. I'd get yeah. a little. Cr- and that's why that guy from the other shopping center stopped and was watching me, going, "We've never had a spruker like this." That's got to be the truth behind all your improv skills, though, guys. Probably, yeah. Yeah, that's yeah, the yeah. origins of it. Well, actually, the origins was more um, theatre sports. I started doing theatre sports at, at uh, high school. Theatre yeah. sports? Yeah. I remember that was... Uh, that was... American Rosso used to make fun of that hardcore and uh, on their radio show, theatre sports. But um, So that was probably now what people would call improv classes. 
Yeah, probably. Yeah, they don't play it anymore. It's it's actually. I mean, schools do. Schools around Sydney have a, like a theatre sports competition. Um, I know that still exists. So, what's for anyone who's uh, young and don't know what they've never heard of theatre sports? What, how would you explain theatre sports? Well, it, look, it's a, basically a bunch of little games. They range from one minute to four minutes. That are uh, you're sort of given a topic or it might be a concept like there might be there's a game called um, you know death in a minute right so you have four players in one team and you'll be going okay you, we've, you've been, it's been chosen death in a minute and then they'll ask a, an audience member for a, for a topic okay well, how does he die um, oh, asphyxiation he gets, yeah what's he falls in the ocean yeah is that what you said? No, asphyxiation. Oh, asphyxiation. <laughs> yeah. I honestly thought you said he falls in the ocean. Oh, it falls in the ocean. Yeah, this is classic theatre sports. Classic I think theater. I heard, I think I heard <laughs> the, the one idea you've already got. <laughs> yeah, yeah. No, no, it was always improvised. And say it might be asphyxiation. So you would have to do a scene in a minute where the person dies um, by asphyxiation. And so obviously you kind of make it, want to make it funny. Um, but, you know, I loved it because it was, it was narrative storytelling at the same time and you got laughs you know it's the first time people really genuinely laughed at me and i thought wow this is this is incredible and i um i loved that we did it for years in canberra and then the <laughs> you thought oh, i could have a career beyond spruiking yeah. yeah well this is well before yeah before um this was still when he was thinking one day Maybe one day I could stand outside the shops and spruik. What's weird, because, you know, I spent three, three and a half years at uni, the whole time going, I don't want to do any of this shit. You know what I mean? Yeah. <laughs> but I was kind of using that time to kind of explore, you know, what I kind of enjoyed. Sorry, Gary, I just yeah. noticed something. You said three, three and a half years oh, yeah, at uni. Oh, yeah, yeah. What, what's, the microphone's I, cutting out here. My, so. Unis don't do half years. <laughs> <laughs> Generally, oh, this is a three and a half year degree. This one. <laughs> well, yeah. So what I, I started doing a different degree, like this weird business economics degree that was so batshit boring and hard. I had to work so hard, and then I would go to the bar, walk past the bar, and it'd be full of communication students. <laughs> <laughs> and I went, I thought, wait a minute, I think I'm doing the wrong degree. So I swapped to communications and I did marketing and advertising, which I should have done in the beginning, to be honest. And then, but because I kind of missed, I kind of end up having to do a couple of, um, couple of extra subjects. A couple of extra. I think I did. I had to do two subjects in six months, so I it was part time basically. Nice. Did you um? So did you ever work in advertising at all? Have you ever done anything for that? Not full time, but you know, funnily enough, now I do quite a bit of advertising work, like writing, directing ads, and stuff like that. Um, you know. It's it's weird how I've kind of fallen a little back in back into it. It just it's just basically now another vehicle for income. Yeah, you know, because I've kind of got that ability to do it. I I, I do it when I can. So you do you do direct stuff. How does direct like this always fascinates me as how people end up in directing because it's not like it's mm. sort of one of those jobs where you're overseeing a whole bunch of very different fields like yeah you've got a lighting expert you've got a sound expert you've got the um cinematographer or you know whoever's yeah. in charge of the the photography of the 
what you're doing. How how do you get into the directing side of that? Well, pretty much everything I've directed has generally been stuff I've created. And and so what I quickly learned though is to surround yourself with people that are way more expert than you. And I remember making a little short film um, with Ando actually. He was my star. <laughs> Oh, really? Yeah, Ando, and I had this camera guy. He was just a camera guy. He was just a news cameraman who just... And I, I didn't realize at the time the difference between that and a DOP, which is a director of photography. Mm. And so he was just shooting, and it was kind of a bit messy, and I was kind of directing it, but there's no real elegance to it. And then years later, I made another short, short film called The Money, where I used a, uh, a DOP, really experienced filmmaker. And the difference was just tenfold. Because this guy knew how to set up the camera, where to place the camera, you know, you know, okay, you want, okay, you want this shot. What about we shoot it from up here? I'll pull in and I'll, you know, I'll push in this way. Oh yeah, that sounds great. So it just elevated it. So I suddenly quickly learned. Wait a minute, I've got to surround myself in people that really know what they're doing, because yeah. I don't. <laughs> yeah. So I, because I'm just thinking, oh, this is what I want. I just need someone who can actually bring that and make it better um yeah that was uh that was yeah that was you know but that's all part of that just learning experience that curve i didn't really set out straight away to be to do directing i just thought i'll make something i just always love creating stuff you know uh you know that chop fest film you did the one that you won chop fest was the that money. sort of your first short film or had you done a bunch before that? No, so I, d I did one called The Cookie, which I used Akmal, Sali, and Aunt Do. And it was, it was actually a really good idea. It's a guy, um, he buys these fortune cookies and he opens one up. This is Akmal. I've got to imagine Akmal opening up a fortune cookie. And he's at this restaurant and it says, you're going to die. And he's like, oh. <laughs> and then he goes to the waiter, Aunt Do. <laughs> um, can I just, sorry, this... this fortune cookies broken can I get another one and the guy's like yeah yeah whatever gives him another one and then they opens the fortune cookie and it says I said you're going to die All right? and then the guy starts freaking out right he's like he gets another one and it's like you're going to die don't you get it you're going to be dead and then he goes and buys like a whole bunch of them and every one of them I had to print all these out said you're going to die death soon <laughs> it was actually a really funny idea how did you get just how did you print so you can make your own fortune cookies or did you well i just bought a whole bunch of fortune cookies and it's really easy to pull the piece of paper out to be honest it's not that hard and then i would rig it so that it looked like he was pulling them out you know so you just or you just go to they're just on a tiny little piece of paper and, it, and then half the time you didn't even see them you just knew that everyone was saying that he was going to die and then i, I never really had a big punchline because it just ended with um this guy did die eventually of natural causes. That was the joke. <laughs> <laughs> we once did a sketch years ago before I started doing stand-up that was mis uh, like a commercial parody. There was misfortune cookies. Right. And everyone had something that horrible that was going to happen. Oh, uh, yeah. But I miss thought it would be le like a legitimate product. Like, I think people <laughs> would buy that. They probably would now, I reckon, yeah. because they'd see the joke. Um, <laughs> but it's funny. Like, I, I actually entered that into Tropfest, and I... And I just used all well-known um, score, like Enio Marinconi, John Williams. <laughs> um, <laughs> I had Billy Joel. 
And when you fill out the application, it says, do you have approval for your music? And I ticked, yes. <laughs> well, Billy Joel, notoriously uh, yeah. big supporter of... Uh, of films, uh, yeah. yeah, independent short films. It got shortlisted, actually, that film. It got into the top 60, but um, it wow. didn't make it, yeah. Wow, that's... Uh, so, how, so how did you get from... So you're obviously doing theatre sports, you're interested in sketch, that sort of stuff. How did you get from stand-up and spruiking into starting to sort of make sketches and do that sort of stuff? Well, when so when I started stand-up, so I was sort of hanging out a lot with Akmal and then um, the, uh, the Harold Park, which used to do comedy on a Monday night, decided to open up and do comedy Friday, Saturdays. And they were looking for shows. And they said to Akmal, hey, do you want to be part of this show? We're going to do this kind of like ensemble show on a Friday, Saturday. And Akmal's like, yeah, but maybe can I do my own show? Why don't we put something together, you know? And so he got me um, and we'd met Anthony Murr um, just, you know, at, on the Monday nights at the Harold Park and really kind of clicked. I mean, I remember Anthony's first night he came down and killed, obliterated. And it was so good. Everyone went, ah, I can't be his material. Oh, really? Yeah. They honest, Everyone thought, nah, this is too good. Like the performance was good. Everything about it just felt like he'd gone and copied somebody. And Bloody. there was not though. It was just all his stuff. And, and so we kind of really clicked. And then we just decided to write a, a, a sketch comedy show. Um, and it was myself. Oh. Oh. There we go. Who's that? That's that's the probably the venue. Cops below. Where are you? <laughs> yeah, mate. Everyone's dead. Yeah, we've uh, just uh, for the. There's a lot of traffic here. For, yeah, way. for the people playing along at home, we've hit some sort of breakdown or something. So we've got three lanes of traffic on the M1, and we're, what are we doing now? Seven kilometres an hour, mate. This has got a six. This is the first like comedy podcast and traffic report. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> mind you, people are going to listen to this probably in a month or something, and then yeah, yeah, and they'll be like, oh man, oh, fuck. thank God I didn't go on that that road a month ago. Wonder if the traffic's cleared. <laughs> that yeah, you have a traffic chopper for a podcast. <laughs> the um, well, uh, the one that annoys me and that was on the sign before is the is the when you're in this sort of traffic and it's a traffic due to an earlier incident. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> I was like, well, yeah. why are we stopping? I want to know more about the incident. They should actually put the photo of the guy who fucked up and crashed. Yeah. So we can go, look, this is an accident because this doesn't feel right. Mm, it's really, I, you know what I get? And this is so macabre, isn't it? Like, you get stuck in all this traffic and you go, oh, it's got to be an accident. And then when you find out it's not, you're so disappointed. Yeah, you want to be part of something. If you're going yeah. to be have your time wasted, you want it to be part of something significant rather than just, just oh no, traffic. Just, just some idiot broke down. Not even that, just traffic. It's just a lot of cars. Yeah, <laughs> you just find out it's just a lot of cars trying to get to the same place. There is something very unsatisfying when you're in traffic and it, it, you slow, slow, and then all of a sudden it just picks up again for no reason. <laughs> and you're just like, what the? What, the, what happened? Yeah. Um, yeah so, all right. Well. You know what we might do before we do before I pause this now because what I thought we'd do is yeah. um, make a prediction of how we think this gig's going to go. Oh, okay, great. Yeah. And then um, we'll do the gig, and on the drive back, we'll we'll pick up and we'll do like a second half of the podcast. Um, and um, you and I will be really mad at Matt for 
<laughs> putting us in this situation. Oh, we like that was surprisingly mm. good. Yeah, yeah. yeah, yeah. How, how are you? How are you predicting? Because it's you, me, um, Jean Kitson. Oh, Jean is, Kitson's on. Yeah, she's hosting. I believe. Oh my god! How did you get her? Did you ask her? Uh, oh, she lives up here, does she? No, no. I'll I'll explain oh. that another time. Okay. Oh, not for air. There's some juicy goss. Well, it's a it's a long boring story, but y- yeah. Yeah, podcasts. You never get long, boring story on podcasts. So, <laughs> oh, that's good. Anyway, yes. Yeah. So it's us uh, and Bruce Griffiths. Ah, yes, correct. So great one. <laughs> I think I'll I'll make the prediction now. Yeah. Bruce will do really well, but doesn't think he did well. <laughs> um, Gene will do really well, and um, yeah, as expected, be quite. And then she'll uh, she'll host the, the house down. Gary will have a uh, great set and sell. Did you bring any books? I didn't actually because I, um, I just, I was to be honest, I didn't even know it was Seniors Week, and now <laughs> I'm kicking myself. I didn't bring my books because I probably would have sold a few potentially. I don't know, and I just thought it was an hour show, so I just thought, oh, we're just doing a quick, like uh, a bite, and then we're we're racking off. But anyway, no, I didn't. Damn it! <laughs> Can we go back? <laughs> Power off. Power off. Drive back. It's worth it. <laughs> um, yeah. What, what are your expectations for this? I think gig, Jean. Gary? Look, Jean. Jean will do well. They'll love Jean. Mm. That's her audience. Um, she'll kill. And then who's going on first, Bruce? No, me. Oh, you. Yeah. Okay, so you're going to kill. You're actually going to make it harder for Bruce because no. you're going to have this. You've got Jean with energy. To be honest, I'd probably swap it around. But does Bruce have to go somewhere? Mind you, I think anyone's going to have trouble following Andrew for two reasons, or three reasons. One, because you're very good, but also you're not emceeing, and you weren't happy with how you went last gig. So I think there's a reckoning. Actually, I think yeah, yeah. I think it's better actually. Bruce goes on because his styles are very. If you go on first, then Bruce, it's a different energy. Uh, Yeah. And then I go on because I've got a similar kind of energy to you. Yes. So we don't want to go back to back necessarily. No. No. So I think that's probably a good lineup. I think everyone's going to kill. To be honest, I think everyone will do well. Two hundred. Right. Everyone, look, everyone wants to laugh, and they've made a big effort well, to come I, and I did watch. It last year it was a great gig. Yeah. Like I, I did, I did well last year. So. Oh if my I did god! Well, then my you god, guys. Yeah. Are gonna, so it's easy, yeah. Gary. Yeah. It's yeah. Easy, yeah. <laughs> All right. Well, there's the predictions. Um, tune in to hear uh, to hear us be somewhat disappointed potentially on the That'd way be back. Interesting. I mean, let's you know who or knows. Garage is going to be so dirty realizing how many books he could have sold. Yeah, <laughs> mate. It's so. I'm, I've just come up afterwards. Do you have any books? Yeah. A children's <laughs> book, perhaps. You just got that kind of personality well, this, that I'd like to <laughs> tuck mate, my so kids in with. This this week I've done the very the spectrum. I did the uni where the audience the average age was like nineteen. You know, the front row were all eighteen year olds, and now I'm going to be doing an audience. And by the way, someone vomited, someone spewed in the front row. Oh wow! Not during my set, luckily, but the show went on. Um, well, it's a seniors gig. We may get someone wet themselves. You yeah, might get all I mean. the like. What are we going to get? Um, on you today? might get all the bodily functions in a week here, <laughs> Gary. How good? How's <laughs> someone might have a stroke like that gig in Menai? You remember that? Oh, really? I think both of you were on that night when someone had, didn't they have a stroke or a heart attack. No. Yes, I was on. I was hosting. There was a that wasn't even a seniors gig. That was just like a sporting club gig or something. And oh wow, I wasn't on. I'd, I'd remember that. 
No, it probably happened in the first half. You weren't oh, there yet, yeah. Gary. <laughs> True. No, yeah, I, I, I think from memory, I was, all, I was the one on stage, and I was first act, and I, I, I've like gone, oh well, I guess we'll just uh, take a short break. Yeah, wow. it was, it was, uh, was one of the. It was one of the better you resets. killed or they got killed? Yeah. Uh, I, I don't know which, which order it took place, but, yeah. I think they ended up being all right. The ambulance took them out. But, uh, yeah. Yeah, it was one of the more awkward resets of a <laughs> room I've ever had to do. Okay, so we're just uh, clearing the body. and um, So there's a spare seat if anyone wants yeah, it. Yeah, seats down the front, guys. Down the front. Uh, all right, well, we will uh, tune back in uh, on the way home and we'll uh, review the gig. All right, we are recording. Second half of the podcast, we are now post-gig. We are southbound on the M1 back towards Sydney. Uh, first off, Matt, as the booker, as the, uh, I suppose, the, the boss of the gig, are you happy? Did we do all right? Uh, yes, I felt like there was a lot of controversy over uh, wanting payment, but uh, uh, it seems like we've come to an agreement on that with the lift and whatnot. Uh, yeah. Gary, how do you think it all went, mate? Uh, yeah, that no, was, you know what, I think it was what we predicted. It was a, uh, I mean, it was weird. None of us really listened or watched each other's act. Because the room we were standing in was out the back, so we all just caught a glimpse of the head, and then yeah, it was like had to, you know, and then we act like we saw your act. Hey, good set, man. That was excellent. It was it was more fun to stand out the back and chat than really watch each other. It's it's one of those things where you just watch the very beginning, they get a big laugh, and then you go, okay, I'll just multiply that through. Yeah, yeah. Assuming their whole fifteen minutes was the same. Look, he's doing fine. He's doing fine. He's <laughs> yeah, fine. He doesn't. Yeah, I know he doesn't need me in the wings staring. You know, I just realised that I have no idea how that gig went because <laughs> yeah. I sat in the I, I sat in the back. That's what I mean. I sat were... in the back, and then we waited for the audience to leave. Like they could have all left in a half. They could have all been pissed off. I don't have no idea what happened. I assume it was fine. It was fun. It was a fun gig, and it was the only thing that was kind of not throwing me, but got my focus. There was an old lady sitting right down the front who slept through the whole thing. She she slept through Bruce's act. I'm assuming she was sleeping. I don't know if you saw her, Andrew. Yeah, I did. She, I when I said because um, I mentioned I was going to have a nap for the Savo after the gig, and um, she, uh, I think I might, I may have triggered her. <laughs> yeah. she just, she just nodded off. She's but going, she was Let's sound, go early. sound asleep, and I was just all I was hoping for was that I could get her to wake up and and, <laughs> and then look up and. Have you ever woken anyone in an audience? Well, generally. It, they don't fall asleep. That's the <laughs> see. I have. I, I was. I did a cruise ship years ago where, um, due to a like a booking stuff up, I got moved forward. So I was doing the first night because you know usually on the big ships they want the comedy. They don't generally put it up front. They have a variety act that's high energy yeah. or something. Anyway, they'd booking stuff up, and this day that had a that had to deep clean the ship because the previous um, cruise had a like an outbreak of gastro. So the crowds were delayed getting on the ship. So it was super um, light uh, crowds. They'd been waiting six hours. Right. So this, I did the late show and there was maybe, I don't know, maybe 90 people in a 900-seat theatre. <laughs> wow. And there's a bunch in the front row and I 
made a joke and this woman laughed and I saw the guy next to her sort of jolt. And I was like, did, sorry, did I just wake you up? And he was like, no, 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 you're really funny. It's not you. I've just been up for 26 hours. <laughs> we flew in from Vancouver today. And we came, and I was just like, what? why are you here? Like, yeah. He goes, oh, we wanted to see you. I'm like, just don't ruin your whole holiday because you wanted to hear a few of my thoughts. Go go have a snooze. But that's, he was... That's classic uh, cruise ship mentality. I've got to get the most value for money. Yeah. I've paid this money. I'm going to go to every show... Yeah, Even if, I, if I'm so dead tired, <laughs> I will sit down the front and at least they can say, oh, yeah, I went to the comedy show. Oh, how was yeah. it? Well, I don't know. I slept through the whole Mate, thing. Mate, dream gig. Dream, dream gig. <laughs> yeah. That was, uh, yeah, I, as predicted, though, when we, um, we made our predictions early, um, the one I will say I definitely do know was we predicted Bruce would do really well but think he bombed. Yeah. And uh, came off stage, not happy, after he... Like, I watched most of his set from the wings. He was just killing. Yeah. And he comes off, and I said, mate, that was great. He goes, oh, I got away with it. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> like, what? He was blowing up because um, Gene Kitson, who hosted, gave him a really lovely intro. But in his mind, that's like, oh, you're ramping up expectations. Yeah, um, he shits himself because he thinks, oh, my, no, the audience has this massive expectation now. Yeah. You know. Where they don't, and his his material is so bulletproof anyway. Geez, that one. Uh, that car just yeah, yeah flying. We should cars. remind we were still in the car and yeah, or well, series even yeah, even series. So what are you? Have you dropped down? No, you're doing you're doing the speed limit. This is no that car. A few cars just flying, flying past us like we were going standing still. Um, yeah, so he was he was all upset, and then he was like, "Oh, I think I got him." You know, and I, I think I got away with it. I'm like, Bruce, you you killed. Like, it's almost like, because his act is so bulletproof, it's almost like you could put the, sometimes put the audience laughter on a laugh track and you could, yeah. you could predict where they're going to laugh because it's so beautifully crafted. Yeah, they love, because he's all one-liners. They really, yeah. they really, he really dug that. And I don't, but it, it fascinates me that I don't think, have you ever gigged with Bruce where he's walked off stage and gone, yeah, nailed it. I don't. I don't think ever. I mean, no. I. I can't actually remember. I, I, I know, I've seen him do well and be happy. He kills at the Rotary Club gigs. Like I've got an ongoing joke with Bruce that that's his audience. Right. The Sydney Rotarians, and I've seen him get like applaud breaks on every joke and. <laughs> yeah, I think he really uh, does. He's, he's kind happy. of figuring out. He's rating each joke. It should get this amount of laughed. Yeah. You know, laughter. I just said laughed. I don't know if that's a word. It's all right. We'll edit it out in post. <laughs> just it's give me a clean laughter. Yeah. <laughs> laughter. Yeah, perfect. I'll pop that in. Oh, when, could you? That'd yeah, be yeah. Awesome, yeah. Mate, no one will even know. I thought you meant laugh, and then I realised you just wanted me to say the word No, laugh. but it was good that you gave me a clean laugh, too. I'll drop that in after one of my jokes that you two ignored somewhere <laughs> along the way. <laughs> you did it twice today, Gaz. You've, I've said something, right... And then a couple of minutes later, you've said the same thing, and everyone laughed. Classic. Like it happened, uh, like on the in the car, and then when we were t- sitting around the back, and it was a, it was some dumb pun or something. Oh, and what, then what like was a it? minute later, I, I'm trying to remember what it was, and then everyone, I was like, "Hey, I got nothing on the same thing." Every, that, <laughs> it's all in the delivery. I it think. is. It's like, a, have you heard that joke? You know, it's a classic old joke where the guy goes to prison, and um, it's his first night, and halfway through the night you hear someone go 
36. And everyone cracks up laughing. Right? And he's like, ah. Oh. And then moments later, 42. Everyone cracks up laughing. You know? 52. Uh, the whole jail pisses himself. And the guy goes to his cellmate. He goes, what's going on? He goes, oh, look, there's only one joke book in the prison. And we've all memorized it. So we just... We just steal out. We just steal out the numbers now. And he goes, "Oh right." And he goes, "Oh okay." So he thinks, "Oh, I will have a go." And so he waits for his moment. He goes, 12. And it's just nothing. Yeah. And his cellmate turns to his cellmate. And he goes, "Well, what happened?" He goes, "Cellmate says, yeah, it's the way you tell them." <laughs> <laughs> it's funny. I, I went to uni with a guy who was just like that. Whenever you said something, he always had. Oh, that reminds me of a joke. And he just always had these perler of the jokes. Oh. He wasn't a comedian, but he just had a joke for every situation. I just remember what it was when uh, Jean was saying how she did the uh, acknowledgement to country like late in her set. Yeah. And then I was like, oh, yeah. So he did like an apology to country. And she just went like, and then two minutes later, you're like, oh, an apology. Yeah. <laughs> I, did, I, I didn't hear He's you like, say that. Oh, Gary, you're incorrigible. Yeah. Gosh, you're funny. Oh, that's that's when you guys were all not watching my set. Yeah, that's true. Yeah, <laughs> it's great. Oh, well, well, someone would have would have filmed it, so we'll watch it later. Yeah, yeah. There's the um, I love it those gigs too. Like, you kn- you can hear enough laughter that you know it's oh, okay. It's yeah. not if, as long as you're hearing enough. You're backstage. You're hearing enough background laughter. You get a feel for okay. They did fine. Yeah, yeah. I think the silence is the frequency you're tuned to. You know what I mean? You'll be out the backstage chatting, and then as soon as you hear that silence, or you don't hear the silence, that's when you like perk up and you're yeah. like, "Oh, something's yeah. happening now." It's yeah. almost impossible to, you know, not do well in these type of gigs unless, for some reason, you attack the audience and you know get angry at them. But you just can't die. It's it's always going to be a fun gig. Yeah. Well, the. It's sort of almost a bonus activity for them. Like they've, they've. I think sometimes we psych ourselves out a bit, where you know, oh, this audience is going to like. But they've chosen to come along to comedy. They do want to have a good time. Yeah. They'll if you if you uh, like are willing to sort of sometimes meet them part way. They'll. No one's sitting there going, oh yeah, well I don't want to laugh. I don't know why I'm here. Like they're all like going along wanting to laugh. So then. You just got to sort of find that way in a lot of I the time. I find older audiences fantastic. I mean, I've done a few cruise ships too, where it's like the princess, and you get that really old crowd, and you're, yeah. you're shitting yourself, thinking, "Oh my god, this is going to be a tough gig." But they end up being like better than just regular gigs. I think with the old people, it's about giving them what they want as well. You know what I mean? Like attention. they don't want, you know, like social <laughs> attention. Uh, like they don't want social commentary or anything. Like, you know, like I remember doing one where I did that bit about the, like the blue wiggle having depression in real life. Right. right? And just like, it's just a stupid pun. But even that, like it was a heavy topic, so you could feel it clench up. You know what I mean? They just want jokey stuff. They're there to have, they're there to laugh. So they just want you to give them that. It's very hard to offend them, I reckon. Well, it sort of is. We're talking like they're a different species or animal or something. <laughs> yeah, well, yeah them, they're very interesting, aren't they? It's like... You know we're all going to be them shortly. It's like you forget that 
degenerates grow old too. Like, yeah, that's you know what right. I mean? Like, people who were, have six senses of humour in their 40s will one day, you know, all yeah. things going correctly, be in their 60s and 70s. It's not like, you know, you, the being, uh, yeah, being into weird shit means that you're necessarily going to die earlier. So, that that assumption that yeah they're they're more prim and proper especially with actually what was interesting when you were saying backstage Gary about the list of stuff you got for that uni gig you did about what you could and couldn't yeah. say I actually did that joke to them as well oh did you yeah because well, I thought oh, it's kind of relevant do it, do it on the podcast then I'll do it on the podcast so well I'll just give it some context as well Matt I, so I did this uni gig and they um, the guy sent an email text whatever saying oh look they said no racist, sexist, um, LGBT or trans jokes. So I, I actually, on the night at the uni gear, I, said, I, I revealed that to the audience. I said, you know, we got an email saying no uh, racist, sexist, LGBT or trans jokes. So I'd like to finish up now. Um, and it got a huge laugh and then I was like nah you've made your decision you don't want to hear you don't want to hear my my disabled gay Asian joke that's your problem man it's a killer it killed man it killed in Penrith right they loved it got a standing ovation you know well except from the disabled people but and they honestly because I kind of brought it up they loved it but I, tonight I just did that joke up until I'd like to finish up now and they got a big laugh because they were, they were, and they believed it too. They were like, oh my God, why would they send out an email? It's almost like they were saying, we wouldn't get offended by any of that. You know? Well, they're the toughest crowds, the so called, you know, the new woke kind of generation. Yeah. You know what the hardest audiences are to please are the people that run actual charities? You know, like I, I had to um, give a huge discount to a charity because it was like some something related to. LGBTQ or something because um, a, a Melbourne comic who I won't name but did a bit about having their keys up their ass <laughs> and that was somehow related to um, uh, you know people being uh, you know sexually assaulted or something like that and do you still book Chris Winehouse for stuff or <laughs> uh, yeah no I do I, we had a good laugh about that gig until I had to but see, I wouldn't have discounted. Pay a bunch of money. I think it's just like, well, that's it. That's the nature of comedy. Sometimes something like that's going to happen. You know, yeah. And you just got to roll with it and expect it and go, well, look. You know, and it's one line. And it's like, you can't just pull the whole show down. It's like if you go to a restaurant and you go, well, look, this carrot is not the same color as the other carrots. I want a refund on my whole meal, you know. Well, that the other thing is, is I think sometimes it's a bad analogy, but anyway. Well, I think sometimes audiences think that the by like simply by allowing something to be said is endorsing that view. You don't have to agree with everything you hear, or you don't have to um, like like you get these audience members who when when something is brought up like that, they want to stop. No, you can't say that. The, the best you can do for a comedian if they're saying something you don't agree with and you don't think they should be joking about is just not laugh. Mm. And they'll... Yeah, yeah, they'll stop doing the joke. Whereas I think <laughs> sometimes... True. you have The audience has the power. Yeah, and I think sometimes too, even just because you laugh at something doesn't mean you agree with it. Mm. You can disagree with something and still find it funny. That's sort and of... 
Yeah. The, the reason why um, I did discount it for these people, though, was because I got the actual email from the customer. And the charity, I think, was supporting survivors of uh, abuse or something. So even though it was like this big stretch, I felt really bad that I'd sort of upset this person that had been through all Yeah, but that's just like one person. Kind of and he's, they've obviously taken it all out of context. Yeah, didn't realise the joke is actually probably really funny, but they just didn't get it. So therefore, yeah. somehow they deserve a massive discount. That doesn't make sense. Yeah. They probably deserve an education in comedy. They should go out <laughs> for, you know. Well, yeah, that, that's on a surface level. That's I 100% agree with you. But when you're sort of Facebook with a note from this person, that's like, oh, I've, you know, been through. I've got all this keys issue. up my ass right now. <laughs> yeah, well, you like this. There's this person that's sort of, the, you know, this. F fractured life you can't really be like oh well it's comedy <laughs> well no you can say look you know that's that's life you know we we can never really police what the comedians are going to say um you know but hey we put on a really great show just think about all the laughs you did get everyone tried really hard we made a big effort you know to be honest i usually charge more so i, <laughs> I guess that's what well, i would that, say well she wasn't asking for the discount I just, the, the guy that run the ch ran the charity just got this email from her and then he forwarded it to me and I was like, how much do I have to donate to your charity to not uh, have this feedback online? Kind of thing? Oh, yeah, so you're uh, buying silence. Oh, here we go, yeah. buying silence. See, if you're really stuck buying your hardest, you would have said, I've got something else you can stick up your ass. This complaint. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, but you know what? I mean, how can they complain? Like, the complaint itself would be funny. That people would go, hey, we should book that show. <laughs> yeah, it's it's. I, I, I never get. <laughs> Sorry to interrupt. I once saw this review right of a local uh, pet grooming place, right? And this person had written online that her pet went there, and she was there all day, and then ca ever since she came home, she was really nervous for three days, and then died, right? And this was a like a Google review. So, and then like there was all this exchange below it and then like, can you please stop commenting that about our store? <laughs> yeah, because the, the, the algorithm with all that stuff is rewards interaction. Mm. So the more people go, this is bullshit or whatever, the more... That's why if, posted, you, yeah. if you... If, here's a trick to YouTube videos. If you put a YouTube video up, what you want is someone to start a fight in your yeah. comments because that for some reason lifts up the that's the algorithm sees that as engagement so yeah. it pushes it to the top of the thing so yeah just just if if you are well if you're ever watching this podcast on youtube just start a fight with someone in the comments and hmm. let's get ourselves trending yeah gary is that part of the reason why people are so mean on youtube are they just trolls for their own videos yeah maybe yeah, I don't want to speak to everyone, but there's certainly is a, it's a it's a weird incentive system that like and it's not an on purpose incentive system. It's just sort of an unintended consequence. And there's always this is the we're in an interesting stage of the internet now. I think where people are working out ways just to game different algorithms. Whereas you know early days things went viral based on a, a little bit more organically. Now people are working out how yeah. to game that system and get things to to sort of pop up the algorithm. I wish know. I knew what that system was. Yeah. I try and do it organically and like, you have four views. Oh, <laughs> yeah. <laughs> you know, it's like, huh? 
I, d- I don't I don't know any of the the secrets to it. I just know that yeah apparently the conflict in the um yeah I know I know engagement like comments like especially anything like the more comments you get the 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 algorithm reads that and and gives you a better billing yeah you yeah. know what I've been thinking about lately that it'd be like a hilarious kind of job but it's very immoral obviously you know how they have the Rus- Russian kind of troll farms and their whole oh, job yeah. is to just stir right wing and left wing senti- sentiment. Yeah. So you just go on into groups and just make shit up and say horrible things. And yeah. then some redneck Americans like, yeah, that's what they do. Like that must be a hilarious kind of. That's your job. You just sit there all day and just piss off. But it would be interesting. Like, It'd be an interesting crazy film. Extremists. Like taking someone who actually is a really nice moral person, but. Purely to survive, they have to take this job where they just troll people and say horrible things. <laughs> and just this conflict of going home every day and hugging the family, being really sweet, and then going off to work, going, you know, <laughs> hammer, hammer. Yeah, in real life, they're very submissive. They won't mm. start an argument. And then online, they're just antagonistic to everything. It's like these people that, you know, do scams that try and scam you for money and stuff like that. I mean, they're, they're probably desperate people themselves who realize, well, you know, what do I do? You know, either I don't get any money and... Uh and then well, there's passing the buck as well. You know, if I don't do this job, someone else is going to do it and I'm not going to feed my family kind of thing. That's what their bosses tell them. But I had yeah. a, a guy call me up the other day. There was an obvious scam call and it was like a, clearly like an Indian bloke or whatever. Mm. Oh, what are you saying and there? Was, what are you saying there, Matt? <laughs> or you Indians want me to edit that scammers. bit out, Matt? Well, no, he had an Indian accent. What do yeah. you want me to say? But he, he he called me up and he's like, oh, you know, talking about my Telstra service. And I'm sitting there thinking I'm not with Telstra, right? And I sort of, and I said, oh, yeah, no, I'm not interested. Good luck working for a scam company and hung up. Yeah. And I felt bad for him. <laughs> like I'd been rude to him, like good luck. Are you also nice? I'm judging his moral character by working for this company. But, you know. Mate, the best advice I read someone just said if you get a scammer keep them going for as long as you can because the longer you keep them going that's less opportunity for them to scam someone else so you just keep them on the phone for like an hour you know just saying really dumb shit you know so what do i do again so i've got to go on a thing called the internet yeah okay i found that i've got that now what do i do yeah yeah which which button is it yeah No, whenever I press the button on the mouse, the, the little menu comes up saying copy, paste. Oh, that's right-clicking. Okay. So I use the other button. Like, really, yeah. really, really frustrating. Have them hang up on you is the, yeah, is yeah. the key. There, that's... um. So do you get scammed often, Matt? Uh, I, don't, I can't say I've been scammed, but I have uh, been offered scams. I get a lot of text messages and stuff, but I haven't been, you know, I haven't paid off some... Uh, you know, African prince or something. We um, have, you, have either of you been in a, the data breaches recently? Uh, you know, the I don't know. I've, well, I may well have been, but I wasn't contacted by Optus to say that I was. Yeah. I, I got told that I, I, by someone that I needed to change my license uh, Yeah, because of the data breach. And then I was meant to get paid for the license. And then they said, oh, no, you can't. We're not paying for that. Yeah. They, well, they looked up your license, the scammers, and they realized you didn't have any money anyway. So <laughs> they thought it's a bit of a waste of time to hassle this guy. 
Why would we steal his identity? It's not worth anything. <laughs> they, they read the review about the uh, the keys up the yeah, and they're like, oh well, nah, I'm not touching this guy. Charity. So, That'd be what? funny. Scammers leave like trip scam advisor. Like scam they leave reviews advisor. about you. Andrew was terrible. He didn't fall for it at all. <laughs> he kept me on the phone for ages, and I thought definitely he's going to go for this, but he, then he didn't. He was just playing me. I don't recommend calling Andrew. Gary, however. But if someone calls you on the phone, mm. does it at any point cost you anything? Nah. Nah. So you could just get one of these and be like, oh, yeah, I'm just going to go check some paperwork and just have them on hold. But they'll hang up, they'll hang up. I have the, yeah. the one, the one I, I used to get it all the time. I haven't got it for ages. It's the one where they ring you up and they say, look, uh, we're from so-and-so. I believe you've such and such insurance. I believe you've been in an accident recently. And it, they're just punting on you being in an accident. Yeah. And so, and I, I used to, yeah, but I did, go, I did play with them once where I was saying, yeah, I'm so sorry. I'm really, I just, I don't know what happened. And then they were like, oh, great, this guy's fallen for it. And I said, oh, you know, I just, I shouldn't have been drinking. I know I shouldn't have been drinking and I wasn't paying attention. And I just hit that family and I just, <laughs> and I just, I don't know why I didn't stop. I didn't stop. I don't know what to do. And the guy you could just see, he just stops and then hangs up. <laughs> He's just gone, oh, fuck, oh, God. this isn't what I want. Uh, yeah, you got it. Like, I get the, do you ever get the text messages with the links? Oh, yeah, it's yeah. Like yeah. The, you know, so dangerous. Yeah. I always want to just go on it to see where does it take me. Yeah, but the... Over it on, on the email. I don't know if you can. You're supposed to do this, but you kind of can get the preview of what the link is. Oh, can you? Yes, oh, yeah, you I don't know if that's a bad idea. Yeah, yeah. Sometimes they... I get kind of curious. I got I got another one where a mate of mine sent me a screenshot and saying I think you've been hacked, and it was just emails from me, and he forwarded me one of the emails. And it oh. said it was from Andrew Barnett, but then when you look at the email address, it's something completely different. They've just somehow worked out that him uh, and I are contacts and just going, okay, we'll do a dummy email, call it Andrew Barnett and send it off. Well, I don't know if you've ever used like email software, but you can put in your name and the email is whatever you want. Like yeah. A lot of the, yeah. yeah, yeah. I mean, there's a, there's a website too. I've forgotten what it's called. I think it's called Porn or something where you can... Porn, no, it's not porn, but it's got that sort of... Where you can see how many, if your email has been breached or your phone number. Um, oh, pwned. Pwned. That's it, yeah. Close. This has just turned into middle-aged blokes reviewing internet scams. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> it feels. It sounds like, to any listener, it sounds like, oh, they've obviously stopped by one of the booths at yeah. the Seniors Festival <laughs> about getting scammed. And they're, yeah, yeah. They're, they're putting all the community service stuff out there. People um, love hearing stories about someone else getting ripped off, though. Oh, yeah. You know, it's always like those romance scams, and you just think, you know... The audacity and the and the sort of perseverance from the scammer to keep it going. Did you, did you see those, that one on Netflix where the guy yeah. had like a private jet and the all Tinder this kind one. of stuff? Yeah. yeah, I only just ducked in and out of it, but it's nuts. And apparently, that's happened quite a bit. You know? Oh it's yeah, not it's just a classic. Dude. You know, win your trust. It's all about got to win your trust, and then you know I love you. Win your trust, and then this subtle kind of. Um, series of events where you end up giving them money <laughs> yeah and that's it that's the scam you know and it's about 
laying the it's almost like the lies lay the foundation to the next lie so they never start with the big lie no no because that won't work yeah yeah you just sort of lay it so that each or you've each little jump in logic is only a small jump from the last one mm. so that by the time you're going well of course it makes sense that this billionaire needs to borrow money off me because his <laughs> money's all in you know it's not liquid at the moment yeah then then that just makes perfect sense because all the backstory has been laid out over time and the fact that this guy was using like he had a, a supposedly a private jet but that was all funded by another scammer yeah <laughs> so it's a perfect front it's uh, it it always fascinates me with that sort of stuff when you see these like financial collapses. Oh, we're getting a, you getting a phone call here, Matt? Yeah, uh, yeah. You should drive and use your phone at the same time, Matt. That's and an do awesome a podcast. Yeah, it's a great idea. <laughs> Not, yeah, no, I just said I can't talk. You said you can't talk. Is it who? Who was it? Sorry, I just, I, I haven't acknowledged it the whole time, but how odd it is having a mic stuck in your face <laughs> when you're driving. Yeah. It is fucking bizarre, man. I feel like I'm, uh, yeah, I think feel like I'm being, uh, what's it called when they, the cops like um, put the light, you're interrogated, yes. It would be exactly. weird for a cop or anybody just to suddenly drive past and there's Andrew just shoving a mic in your face. Yeah. She's a current affair. I get him really, yeah, yeah. really. Yeah, they're so invasive now. They just yeah. jump in your front seat. That's uh, well, it hasn't affected your driving barely at all. We've only dropped down to thirty a couple of times. <laughs> <laughs> all right. Well, yeah, we, we got passed by a cyclist just a second ago. <laughs> we are getting. Mic in his face as well. Okay. <laughs> You're right. <laughs> <laughs> it's also like every time I say something, yeah, you have to make this huge yeah. move. It yeah. feels like I'm about to say something really important, and then I say it, and I'm like, oh, that wasn't really worth the mic transportation over here. Yeah, but when Gary says it a few minutes later, we all have a really good <laughs> laugh. <laughs> all right, we are getting towards the end of the M1, so we might have to uh, shut this off. Before we go, do you guys want to plug anything? I'll start with you, Matt. You can plug your um, business in case anyone is a uh, charity or a sporting club or whatever out there. Explain what your business is and what you do and how costs are about to go up because you get the best acts and you need to pay them. Uh, so I run Comedy for a Cause. It's, uh, it helps support uh, charities like uh, Gary Eck <laughs> and uh, Andrew Barnett and myself uh, and my kids going to daycare and uh, yeah, and that uh, chick down who got uh, molested in Melbourne. But what, what actually is Comedy for a Cause, Matt? Uh, it's a fundraising service for charities and community groups and schools and sports clubs. And um, we do comedy shows to raise money for their cause. Comedy for a cause. And they're always fun nights. Um, I will say that. Uh, In fact, I don't think I've ever done a bad gig. They've all been crackers. No, there's a few I've turned up to going, geez, this isn't going to work. And they all have. Hmm. Like where, especially early doors where you turn up and like, you know, they would have just taken part of a conference room in a club or whatever, the venue or the people organising it, and it'd be set up like, you know, weird lighting or whatever, and then you go, this isn't going to work, and then all of them would sit down, and it was just, yeah, mm. they're always a, a fun, good gig. So yeah. um, if you are, do have a sporting club or whatever, contact Matt, Comedy for a Cause. Uh, Gary, do you want to plug your everything you've got going on? 
Yeah, so I do comedy for no cause. Um, <laughs> yeah, we just... No, um, what can I plug? Well, oh, yeah, if you've got children, young children... Um, <laughs> Weirdest <laughs> intro into this. Yeah, no, no. Well, I do... Look, it's on... Look, I should plug it's on air right now. It's uh, Ginger and the Veggie Sores. It's on ABC2. Uh, ABC iView, it's um, an animation show that I co-created with Nico Sutherland. Um, it's it's a sort of wildlife documentary with uh, vegetables as dinosaurs. So you've got, uh, you know, bok choy dactyls, broccolisaurus, triceratops uh, as our hero named Ginger. Yeah, so it's actually doing, and I don't want to brag, but I will, but um, it's actually doing really well. I mean, it's averaged... Every episode, they're only five-minute episodes, but every episode's averaged over a million views so far. Oh, wow. And we've sold it to BBC. It's, it goes to air in BBC later this month. Um, it's in Spain, Germany. Oh, so you didn't, you didn't need this gig at all? I didn't need this. This is, I don't... Fuck this, fuck this gig. <laughs> Do you know what I mean? He just wanted to be part of the podcast yeah. in the car. He just, so I just wanted to go for a little drive. I thought, you know what, if I just drive up for three hours, do the show, drive back for three hours and, and give... St- steal Matt's fucking jokes. Yeah, unfortunately, yeah, I, we... Uh, we, we it, we've Actually, we're in season two, actually comes out in May. It is very good. My kids like it. Yeah, no, people love it. They've, um, they've reacted really well to it. Matt's going to love it when he sees one of his jokes come out of one of the <laughs> dinosaurs' mounds. <laughs> Did you ever... Well, Bruce actually, actually writes episodes as well. But Go on, Matt. Yeah. No, I was just going to... Did you ever hesitate, like... Because you've kind of combined uh, the, the thing that kids love the most with a thing that they generally don't like. Yeah, yeah, that's true. It's, well, it's like dinosaurs, which they love, and vegetables, which they hate. Well, the thing is, kids don't hate vegetables, right? But wouldn't and it have been like, a, you know, better to have like a, you know, ice cream or something? Well, that's why I came up with the show and it's on air and yours <laughs> isn't. <laughs> <laughs> oh, that is the perfect way to leave it. Watch Gary's stuff. Um, as always, uh, yeah, thanks for listening to the show. It's starting to rain. Heavy is busy yeah, down now. It's really actually getting quite dangerous for podcasting in cars. Yeah. Um, uh, if, uh, well, just play this at our funerals if the episode doesn't get out. <laughs> <laughs>